Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance designed to help you reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you're invited to a free event this month at our church in Corona. Pastor Michael and guest speaker Dr. J.P. Moreland will talk about how you can biblically tackle the issues of depression, anxiety, mental illness, and more. Learn more and register for the free event when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's conclusion of Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 20, called The Return of the King. The seventh attribute back in Revelation 19, 13 is that Jesus is called the Word of God. The man who authored the book of Revelation is John the Apostle. The man who wrote the book of John is John the Apostle. And he opens his uh, gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In 1 John 1, 1, he also makes reference to the Word. He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld with our hands, concerning the word of life. Jesus is called in Revelation 19, 13, the word of God. Now he's coming in judgment. So the word of God could mean that it speaks of the purity of his judgment and that he's going to speak the word. He spoke the word when the universe came into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. So if he says of somebody, uh, you done? <laughs> then see you later. He holds our very life breath in his hand. He speaks stars into existence. He's incredibly powerful. He's called the word of God. In this context, says one writer, the word of God may be communicating the authoritative, decisive finality of the judgment he comes to render but we also know that he's the living embodiment of truth as depicted in the word of God as well. And the armies which are in heaven, Revelation 19, 14, clothed in fine linen, which seems kind of strange for an army to be clothed in fine linen, white and clean. We're following him on white horses. Now, there's two schools of thought. Some believe that those following Jesus on white horses is the church, and some believe it's an angelic army. Just write this down. This is 2 Kings 6, 16 and 17. He answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Open his eyes that he may see. The horses and the chariots, what do you think they represented? In all likelihood, an angelic army. In Matthew 25, 31, Jesus says, when the son of man comes in his glory, Matthew 25, 31, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Jude, verse 14, says, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones. The word for holy ones here could be translated saints. Hagias, I think, is the Greek word, or it could be angels. So some people believe that the church is following him, but I don't think we'll have to do much but just watch him destroy the enemies if it's the church. 
Some people believe it's an angelic army and the bride of Christ doesn't have to fight. And there's some connection with the white linen and the clean garments to the church. So you can wrestle a little bit with that. There's some clear verses that seem to indicate the angels are all coming with him. Could it be a combination of angels and saints? Possibly. But I want you to imagine now kind of a battle scene with the one horse in front and now all these other horses behind. This is the Lord's army. He's called the Lord of hosts or the armies of heaven. He's Lord over. You can see that in Joshua chapter five and other places. And so here he comes. And all these, you know, how many angels are there? There's potentially millions, perhaps even billions of angels. And here they come with the Lord of glory. And from his mouth, a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. I've heard some teachers who are more of the preterist persuasion, and we've explained that earlier, say this is all symbolic and maybe Revelation 19 is not about the second coming, but it's about the word of God spreading all over the world and people who were once enemies being converted to Christ. And maybe the horse is the church and Jesus rides the horse and he rides the message of the church into the world. I'd say, thanks for playing, but I think the whole theme of the chapter is not about the gospel going out. It's about the day of the Lord. Look at verse 15. It's the wrath of God. He's smiting the nations. He's not saving them. He's smiting them. This is the day of the Lord. He's put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Joel 3.13. Their blood is poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Zephaniah 1.17. This is the day of the Lord's wrath. And on his robe and on his thigh, 16. He has a name written. What's his name? King of kings and Lord of lords. Some people have said, does this mean Jesus has a tattoo? Because on his robe and on his thigh. Well, I think the language could be taken that this is just really on his robe, but also remember, this is probably, again, just largely symbolic. So I don't think that this is your best verse to try to defend your tattoo. Jesus has one. I'd be really careful with that one. But anyway, if you want more on that, look up, did Jesus have a tattoo on (laughs) gotquestions.org? If you want to do more research. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, 17. He cried out with a loud voice saying to all the birds which fly in mid heaven, Come and and assemble for the great supper of God. Now, this angel may be standing in front of the sun or on top of the sun. I don't know how this works. Um, Again, we can be dealing with some symbolic language, but you'll see that he's crying out to the birds, and he's crying out from the place where the birds fly, if you will, to come and gather them. Now, the marriage supper of the Lamb was earlier in Revelation 19. That's the place that you want to be, invited to the wedding, the bride of Christ, all the blessings. This other supper... You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to go. Because in the first example, you get to eat at the king's table and have wedding cake at the very end. How many of you love your sweets even after you're full? 
Never too full for sweets. But if you're part and invited to the second supper, you are the dinner. So choose door A and choose wisely. Because if you remember the movie, The Birds, you will be having a starring role. Something like this. And the birds, even before the battle, are told, come and assemble. This is certainty of victory. Come and assemble. There's about to be a great meal for you guys. Ezekiel 39. Let's turn there. All right, you went to Isaiah last time, so a little further on in the Old Testament. Ezekiel. Ezekiel 38 and 39 are famous chapters because they depict what I think most people agree is the Battle of Armageddon or a last day's battle of some sort. Maybe not everybody agreeing that's Armageddon, but in uh, Ezekiel 39, check this out. This is uh, 39, let's look at, um, starting in verse four. You shall fall on the mountains, Ezekiel 39, four of Israel. You and all your troops and the peoples who are with you I shall give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and beast of the field, Ezekiel 39, 5. You will fall on the open field, for it is I who have spoken, declares the Lord God. Skip down to verse 17, Ezekiel 39. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every kind of bird and to every beast of the field, assemble and come, Gather from every side to my sacrifice, which I'm going to sacrifice for you. as a great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of mighty men, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, as though they were rams, lambs, goats, and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. So you will eat fat until you are glutted, drink blood until you are drunk. From my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you, and you will be glutted at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all the men of war, declares the Lord God. A radical scene, taking scripture with scripture. Back to Revelation 19, and we'll finish it up. So Jesus has come. The armies of the earth begin to assemble. This is a battle coming the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation 1918. The birds are told, 1918, that they're to assemble for this supper to eat, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, 1918, Revelation, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, those who sit on them. You can write down Ezekiel 39 in the margin, what we just read. The flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, small and great. Here comes The kings, the commanders, the mighty men, what are they assembling for? They've come to fight God. This is Psalm 2. And he who is in heaven laughs, right? You know what makes God laugh? People who think they're going to fight him. So here's what happens. I saw the beast, Revelation 19, 19. The kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat upon the horse and against his army. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. 
That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Ezekiel 39, as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every kind of bird and to every beast of the field, assemble and come, gather from every side to my sacrifice, which I'm going to sacrifice for you as a great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of mighty men, drink the blood of the princes of the earth as though they were rams, lambs, goats, and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. So you will eat fat until you are glutted, drink blood until you are drunk. From my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you, and you will be glutted at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all the men of war, declares the Lord God. A radical scene, taking scripture with scripture, back to Revelation 19, and we'll finish it up. So Jesus has come, the armies of the earth begin to assemble, this is a battle coming, the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation 19.18. The birds are told, 19.18, that they're to assemble for this supper to eat, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, 19.18, Revelation, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, those who sit on them. You can write down Ezekiel 39 in the margin, what we just read. The flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, small and great. Here comes the kings, the commanders, the mighty men, what are they assembling for? They've come to fight God. This is Psalm 2. And he who is in heaven laughs, right? You know what makes God laugh? People who think they're going to fight him. So here's what happens. I saw the beast, Revelation 19, 19, the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat upon the horse and against his army. All right, so here comes Jesus, angelic armies with him, perhaps the church with him, all assembled for battle the day of the Lord. All this incredible wrath and disaster has been poured out. People should know better by now, but you know what they've gotten to now? I'll tell you what, let's fight him. We're going to fight him. How's it sound? Yeah, we'll fight him. Can you imagine some of the discussion among the troops? 
Yeah, they said he'll be coming from somewhere up there, Fred. I don't know, just, just keep looking. Something about a white horse. Hey, why are all those birds flying overhead right now, Fred? <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, they look kind of hungry, and they even seem to be kind of laughing at us. <laughs> Men is going to finally act out what he's been doing for a long time. Woe to you who quarrel with your maker. How many people are fighting God? Are you? Do you know it's the ultimate losing battle? This is the ultimate mission impossible. What are you going to do? What weapon do you got? Egypt thought they might try it until God opened the sea with a blast of his nostril. And they realized they were fighting against God. Your arms are too short, man. It's not going to work. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. Okay. It's not going to be much of a fight. You're not going to last too long. Just surrender. And imagine if man, and this is obviously just inconceivable, but imagine if man somehow was able to overcome God. You know, the Bible says that God holds the whole world together, Hebrews 1.3, by the word of his power. So you wouldn't have a world left to rule because the only reason there's a world is because God's holding it together. So either way, it doesn't work. But you're not going to win a battle against God anyway. And in the Enlightenment period, period, man said God is dead. And in killing God, in quotes, he killed himself. You go, next time you have an atheist or naturalistic friend who doesn't believe in God, and ask them, what value does your life have? They may say, oh, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Yeah, but, but you're going to do this or that for 60, 80, maybe 100 years. And, and then what value does your life have? Well, and then... Maybe I've influenced other people and they'll remember me. But you know, scientists say that the way the universe is going, they believe everything's going to implode on itself and probably sink into a black hole. So what value does your life really have? You know what these thinkers and philosophers have said who are in the naturalistic camp, no God, they've said, we just have to pretend that we have value. We, here's our worldview. There's no God. We, we dismissed him a long while ago. So now, <laughs> this... This is what we do. We pretend that there's value and meaning to our lives. Look, if there is no God, there's no purpose and value, ultimate purpose and value. I don't care how you try to convince yourself. There's nothing. But here's the truth. There is a God. And his fingerprints are everywhere. And if you just Open your eyes and don't suppress the truth to live the way you want to live and you get on board with his program. He'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I had a note in my notes that reports have been widely published stating that there has been a great increase in the population of birds of prey in recent years in the lands of the Middle East. <laughs> I, think they're, I think they're already having some pre-meetings. You know the date? No, I don't know the date, but... 
And the beast, <laughs> sorry for that, <laughs> was seized. Now, do you hear anything about a fight? No, the, the beast was seized. Who, who's the beast? That's the, the Antichrist. With him, the false prophet, probably one in each arm for God. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it'll work, but who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. Here's the famous lake of fire. We'll talk more about this lake in Revelation 20. And the rest were killed, those who had assembled. And of course, who did they follow? The beast and the Antichrist. And once... The Lord made quick work of them. I'm sure the rest of the armies are like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat upon the horse. And I think just by his word, by the breath of his coming, Second Thessalonians, he slays the man of perdition and all that goes with him. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Our great champion, Jesus Christ, when he comes, there's not going to be a fight because the world, the earth is the Lord's and the people therein. And one day he will wrap up the times and our great champion is coming and he will execute judgment and he will deal with the enemies. And as we move into Revelation 20, we'll look at the millennial reign of Christ and we'll see how he sets up the kingdom and there's a new heaven and new earth wherein righteousness dwells. And that's what's ahead of us. Praise God. And that's going to be uh, in a few weeks because next week, Pastor John's going to give us a Christmas message. And so we'll take a little break from Revelation until we return. But uh, thank you guys for being here tonight. And Shane, if you want to come on up, we'll close the service. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you're able. And... Uh, I'm going to close this in prayer, and I'm just going to ask you, I don't know every single person here tonight. I think I know most of you, but if you've not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would just cry out to you. Be reconciled to God. If you're watching and you were not able to be here tonight, can I just say to you, if you don't know the one who is riding this horse, be reconciled to God. You may say, well, what do I have to do? Something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to save me on a rescue mission on a Bethlehem night. You entered this world. I believe you grew up, that you were sinless. I believe you died on the cross, took my punishment, took my penalty, took my shame. I believe that your sacrifice pays for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead, just like you said you would. I believe in your death on the cross, your resurrection. I believe that you are God. I believe that you're my Savior and my Lord, and I repent of my sin. If it's you, would you pray it right now? I repent of my sin, and I put my trust in you. And that's what it takes. Salvation is a gift. It's not earned or deserved. It's a gift of God. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part three and the conclusion of his teaching in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 20, called The Return of the King. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, 
But now we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question about Revelation, the gospel, or anything that has to do with the Christian faith, please ask Pastor Michael, and he'd love to address your question in future programs. Do you have a friend asking you questions that you're not sure how to answer? Pastor Michael would love to help. So ask away. Email your question to the address answers at walkintruth.com. That's answers at walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Hey friend, I'd like to invite you and your family to our very special free 633 event on Sunday, September 29th. We are dealing with the subject of Finding Quiet, a brand new book by J.P. Moreland, a top philosopher in our country. And we're going to deal with the subject of depression, stress, anxiety, and all that goes with that. Now you may face some of that, or maybe you know someone who goes through that regularly And they could use some answers and some help and just some ministering too. Well, this book is a very honest treatment of what he went through personally, what he discovered from Scripture and from other fields of knowledge. And he's here to share it with us at this 633 event. So come on out, you and your family. It's a free event called Finding Quiet. There's a time of worship, speaking, a time of Q&A, and even a dinner before where you can meet the team behind Walk in Truth. Now, we do need you to sign up so that we know that you're coming. The event is free, but there's a little bit of money for the tacos that are going to happen before. And you can register when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'll see you here at 633 on the 29th. Come back tomorrow to hear the beginning of Pastor Michael's message in Revelation chapter 20 about the millennial reign of Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.